the, then the thing that really sets me off is, well, once we have a vaccine, then everything will go back, back to normal. To normal. Yeah. And I say, you mean like the flu vaccine that's 8% effective? Doesn't work. I catch if, the I flu. A, if I had a brake pad manufacturing company for cars and my brake pads were 8% effective, I would be out of business. George Floyd was not taken out because he was black. George Floyd was taken out because he was owed major drug money by Derek Shaven. When you're making vaccines that are 8% effective for the flu that you have to change every year, which, by the way, give most people that take them the flu. Mm -hmm. And you're going to tell me that this new, and they can't sue, you can't sue them for this without going through the VAERS court, which is a joke. And you're going to tell me that once we have a untested, brand new, rushed through vaccine, then everything is going to go back to normal? Good luck with that. I'll tell you what, they're going to test it in Africa like they're doing, kill a bunch of Africans, pay them off $1,000 per person, which is the maximum that they have to spend if they kill somebody. So they already know that because it's way cheaper to kill them there than kill them here. Found out what the Chinese Communist Party, the Red Dragon, is doing to these people and have been doing to these people for the last 20 years in China, sending hundreds and thousands of innocent Falun Gong practitioners, Uyghur Muslims, house Christians, and Tibetan Buddhists. Particularly, 95% of um, the victims are Falun Gong practitioners to be state-mandated hospitals, concentration camps, death camps, military facilities, uh, military facilities run by the Chinese military at the behest of the, of the highest-ranking officials of the Chinese Communist Party to create a illegal sanctions forced organ harvesting business. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Defender podcast. We're coming to you from the greatest country in the world, deep in the heart of the Lone Star State, Dallas, Texas. I'm your host, Paul Aguilar. We really appreciate you guys stopping in for another episode. If you guys are catching us on YouTube and you aren't already a subscriber, uh, please make sure you guys hit that subscribe button um, as well as the like button. That really helps out a lot. Um, and also hit that bell icon so you don't miss an episode in the future as well. Um, if you guys are on the go and you want to check us out, you guys can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, as well as iHeartRadio at Truth Defender Podcast. Um, all of our social media will be down below, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we jumped on Locals as well, so that's a brand new one. Uh, we have a Discord as well. Uh, you guys can jump on in there and chat with us, send us some pictures and stuff like that. Um, if you guys have any questions or comments for myself or our guests, uh, guests or topic recommendations, you know, you can always send that to us at thetruthdefender1776 at gmail.com. Our next guest is Mr. Jody Cook. Uh, Mr. Cook is the head of the North American Dogman Project. He's also a retired U.S. Army and Iraq war vet. Uh, he's one of the most active dogmen and Bigfoot researchers in the state of Ohio. Originally, he was a member of the Cincinnati UFO Research Group, ASK, uh, but quickly realized that his interests were more in the field of cryptozoology. Uh, Jody has been studying the dogman and Bigfoot phenomenon since 1991 and is the author of several books, which I'm sure we'll jump on in briefly uh, on those as well. Uh, he founded the North American Dogman Project, Cryptid Seekers, and the Ohio Center for Bigfoot Studies. Very busy. Uh, Mr. Jody Cook, how are you doing today, sir? Pretty good, sir. About yourself? Uh, not too bad. I really appreciate you jumping on, as I mentioned before. Um, oh, appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it seems like you've been kind of bu extremely busy <laughs> in the past year. Um, first yeah. off, 
just want to say um, thank you for your service. Obviously, um, that's right, thank you. First you and foremost, appreciate it. Um, yeah, so Dogman and Bigfoot. Um, I guess we can kind of jump into what prompted you to, you know, start those organizations in the first place. Um, had you always been kind of a believer in Dogman and Bigfoot, or how did that, you know, start? Yeah, you know, I've always been interested, even as a kid. I remember um, the first time, you know, seeing something dealing with Bigfoot. It was um, when I went to a drive-in with my uh, family, and we went and saw Planet of the Apes, and they showed the Patterson film as a trailer going into the Planet of the Apes movies. And it was like, wow, I was just fascinated with it. And then going to see The Legend of Boggy Creek as a kid, excuse me i mean that that scared the heck out of me and i just always you know was always into you know the monster stuff and it was just it was just a passion um you know that i had uh got into you know ufo research in in cincinnati and we did this um we for about eight years we had a live tv show that we did now back then (coughs) excuse me in the 80s and the uh, 90s, everything was done on public access TV. Cable wasn't out yet. So you rented time through, you know, the public access show to, you know, to do your show. So we did this live show um, the first Wednesday of every month and it was dealing with UFOs and we were getting a lot of Bigfoot stuff uh, and other cryptids. So myself and George Clappers decided, you know, let's go and investigate this stuff. And that's why I fell into the Bigfoot stuff. And absolutely loved it. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, it was a great obsession. And I actually um, seen one on a U.S. Army base uh, when I was in the Army. Me and three other guys uh, seen one. Yeah, so it just it just validated the you know the authenticity you know of the uh, the subject. Right. Yeah. It's it's definitely. So I was actually stationed in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, for a while. Um, and out there it's, it's kind of middle of nowhere, almost not too many people. Mm-hmm. There's actually like a base out there, but, um, it's kind of a weird thing that, um, in that, in that area, there's like a lot of forests. It's like deep mm-hmm. and you're way out there and, um, you'd always hear stories and I'd never seen anything out there personally, but I would speak to guys that, that had been there longer than I had been, um, say like hey man like in the woods at night you hear such and such and if you go out into the woods it's it was weird it was kind of like a like our barracks but there was no like fencing around it was just like woods all the way back to right the, all the way back right. to the river um and they would say things like you know we would see things at night or i never really chalked it up to anything we used to live with a bunch of marines so it was kind of like maybe you guys are just drinking at night and you just saw or you thought you saw something um, but then I started speaking to like chiefs and like CEOs and ensigns that I used to know. And they like, Hey, I used to see like this and that out, out in the woods. And, and then it started to click a little bit more, like well, maybe there was stuff out there, um, which, which is like an odd thing. You don't really get too many servicemen speaking out. Um, I've tried, I, you know, there's like a lot of guys that I know that they have stories about being in Afghanistan and seeing things or whatever, but Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of a hard thing um, to actually get them to speak about it. And it's just odd that you would see a lot of, you know, Bigfoot and mostly dogmen 
on military bases, which I've heard stories about uh, quite consistently from a lot of people. Um, so that's always interesting. It, it kind of makes you think, um, you know, are they creating them or, you know, what's going on? Um, that's always one of the bigger questions that I've always had. Well, you know, it's far weird. Um, you know, some of the most active military bases, uh, especially army bases, I don't know about any of the other branches, but I know with the army, you know, uh, Fort Benning, Georgia, uh, Fort Ord, California, um, uh, Fort Linwood, Missouri, you know, uh, these are like the most active bases of having sightings of, right. you know, cryptids. Camp Grayling, where I saw mine, uh, was not an uncommon thing for troops to to see them. I mean, you would see tracks out in, when you're out in the training area, the roads were like either dirt, you know, like a uh, real loose dirt or sand. And you would see the tracks where this thing would walk down. Right. And at night you would, you know, you would hear these screams, um, bone chilling screams. And uh, like you said, these bases, they're, they're active. The reason why they're active, because they're like, they're, you have all this heavy wooded training area where these things live. And most of them go outside of the military reservation and to civilian, uh, you know, grounds and stuff. So, you know, a lot of these places don't have fences, you know, you know, to stop people from coming in. And I mean, I've talked to a lot of people that, <clears throat> that has had some, you know, really good stories of sightings on military bases. And, you know, I've been getting a lot, a lot of reports on dogmen coming out of Iraq and Afghanistan uh, from troops that served over there. Um, I saw some weird things over, over there. Uh, you know, when I was there, but nothing like a, uh, a dog man or anything like that. I, you know, when we were in Kuwait, there was actually a, which was kind of neat in Kuwait city where the Harbor is, there's a lake monster in that lake and, you know, they feed it. And I mean, this thing's huge <laughs> and it shows itself. It's really, it's, 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 it's amazing. You know? Yeah, it's definitely on. Um, so you guys are actually based out of Ohio, right? Is that is that how you guys are? Yeah, Cincinnati. Cincinnati, okay. And is that like a like a hotspot for Dogman? Is is there a lot, a lot of stories out there? Well, you know, Cincinnati. We we've had a few Dogman sightings here. We've had a few uh, Bigfoot sightings. We have the Loveland Frogman, which is right outside of Cincinnati. Um, but the closest thing to Cincinnati is a little town called Germantown, Ohio. Now, Germantown, Ohio um, has a creature up there they call it the Germantown Werewolf. But back in the 70s, they called it the Butter Street Monster. See, Ohio is all farmland. It's flatland or dairy or pork. Okay. And if you're on the main highways, you know, you're, it's a boring drive because it's country and corn. <laughs> all on the sides there you know right. and the only civilizations when you get into the you know the towns and so forth so this uh area called germantown when they were building up the town and start putting in residential areas they started with this one particular area which they named butter street so they went in you know uh, about a mile a mile and a half in and just built houses on there so it was in deep into the woods so as people were 
living there, they would see this strange creature. There were, you know, their dogs or cats were coming up missing. Um, just a lot of weird stuff. And when they see it, they describe it as a werewolf and they called it the Butter Street Monster. But like I said, now they call it the Germantown werewolf. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's this one particular road that this thing stays on. And the DNR is actually <coughs> put um, blocks on each side of the road or gates rather. So to keep people like off this road where this thing is, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, man. it's so it's like, so how, how widespread are you guys? Are you, do you guys have like chapters? Throughout, yeah, we, throughout the country? The North, yeah, the North American Dogman Project is the largest dogman research organization on planet earth. We have 800 plus members worldwide. We have chapters on all continents, uh, even Africa, because we're getting reports from all these different people from all these different countries and they're fascinated with the subject. So they asked if they could start a chapter there and we're getting it. I mean, we just uh, started two chapters in India and these are guys that were military that started the chapter over there and they're reporting stuff. That's because they're seeing these things on the Indian Chinese border. And these things are actually killing Indian troops and Chinese troops. And it's actually caused, um, several conflicts between the or between the Chinese and the uh, Indians over this thing because they don't know who was killing their people. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely odd. I mean, I, I mean, now that you speak of that, I've definitely heard, um, you know, because of the conflict out there that they would see like, like UFOs as well out there. And mm-hmm. it's like a weird thing that's going on out, out on the border out there, but um, it would, it would be, it, it would be logical that, you know, if if you if UFOs are coming down to see what we're doing, like with nuclear sites and you know things like that, mm-hmm. they'd be definitely be interested in, in seeing what was going on, especially between you know two countries going to war with each other. Like, right, they, they could possibly destroy each other. But um, I've definitely heard stories of UFOs out there. I never heard any any kind of stories of dogmen out there. That's definitely interesting. Um, yeah, it, it, it is, and you know, even our own southern border, right. we received several reports from Border Patrol agents. I And I, I talked to one frequently as a very, very good friend of mine um, that lived in Cincinnati before he left to go uh, take a job with the Border Patrol. We worked together. We we're uh, animal control officers at the time. And this before, you know, I went into the Army. And um, he said these things are on the border. They know they're there. Every single... Um, uh, Border Patrol agents have seen them. They have found migrant bodies that have been literally ripped apart, uh, you know, on on the border. Uh, they, they're finding tracks. They're telling them, you know, not to go after this thing. Don't shoot at it. Don't do anything, you know, to it. You report it. Um, migrants are talking about it when they're when they're coming over the border because it's it's attacking them. So it, it, it's a real thing, but this is kind of stuff you never, you'll never hear on the news because this is so tight and kept so much as a secret with the Border Patrol that if this ever got out, uh, you know, it, it would, you know, cause chaos along the border um, because you would have, you know, different political parties, you know, 
blaming other political parties for this and somehow you know it becomes a political thing and and, and not look at a really threat to humanity yeah it's so i guess where do you kind of fall on where you think dogmen come from do you think they've been created by the military as a lot of people think or is it just maybe they've just been here a lot longer than we have just you know like like the bigfoot um it's just always been here you know like where do you kind of fall on that well the the thing of it is if you look at history itself there have always been what they consider dog-headed men uh you can find them in viking mythology greek mythology um eastern uh, European mythology. And it, giving the perfect example, the Vatican has a painting of St. Christopher. And in that painting, he is wearing, you know, he has a dog's head. Right. He does not have a human's head. The story behind this is um, that he belonged to a race of dog-headed people. The Catholic Church destroyed them. He was the only survivor. They taught him Christianity and he ended up becoming a priest. He ends up becoming a saint. And that's why we see him as St. Christopher. Now, as time is going forward here, the Catholic church could not present a individual with a dog head or an animal's head, because that's paganism and the people would never accept it. So they had to put a human head on him. And now all the new paintings of him will now have human heads. Right. So we, we know, and even in Iraq, um, when I was there, you know, I talked with people that talked about a dog-headed race of people that, you know, traded with the people. And at the time it was called uh, Mesopotamia. And the Iraqis knew about this. They, they lived in the Kandahar Valley. Mm. And not the Kandahar Valley, excuse me. Uh, they lived in the northern uh, part of Iraq by the Turkish border. And everybody knew about them back then. And they dealt with them. They traded with them, um, you know, spoke with them because they were able to speak their language. So there's a whole line of history dealing with dog-headed men. So these things have always been here. Now, dog man today, is, is this some type of ancestors of these people? Because, you know, most of them were killed off by uh, different groups of um, uh, civilized people, more or less. And these are what's left over. And they're more feral now. Like, you know, if you have a pig and you let a pig go, the pig comes feral. You know, same thing with these things. Is that the possibility? It could be a possibility. There's something that's already here. Are they extraterrestrial? Now, that's a good answer. Uh, and I'm going to tell you a story here, if I have the time. There was a Air Force officer that contacted us and told us this amazing story about he, let me uh, kind of rephrase this here. The U.S. Space Force has always been here, okay? It was way here before President Trump um, told everybody that, you know, he was creating one. And in the Space Force, they dealt with up to 27 different species of alien, he said. And there's one particular species of alien that what they did was they would go from planet to planet. 
and they would have these droids or drones. And what they were are clones, more or less. I'm sorry. Um, I had one, uh, two mini glasses of wine before I talked to you. I was trying right. to get relaxed for the show. Um, these clones, and these clones were what he said they were like dogs. Right. Okay. And what, what they would do, they would go to a planet, they would release these uh, clones on the planet to create havoc. They would come in, save the planet, destroy the clones, and infiltrate into society and into the government. And eventually they take over. Well, we knew what they were doing, and that's why it never happened to us. So that's the only type of extraterrestrial um, information I would have that if these things were extraterrestrial, I truly believe they're more flesh and blood right. in that they have always been here. Okay. Yeah, it's it's more, I mean, you even hear stories about like the Native Americans way back then, you know, saying that, that they would see them fighting with Bigfoot, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you Do you guys have any kind of evidence or like stories about them coming face to face with Bigfoot or like them, you know, being around the well, same the, together. Right. See where I, in in Ohio, we have Cherokee and we have the Shawnee. Okay. Now the Shawnee fought with them and they called them the big blue giants. Okay. Because what they would do, they'd come in, they would take their food, they would take their children, they would take the, you know, females, uh, they would take, you know, regular warriors, and they were cannibals. And what happened at one point, they decided they had enough, and they went and killed them off. And here in a uh, little bit north of Cincinnati, there's a Native American museum. Uh, Ohio is very well known for Native American stuff. We have mounds and artifacts and everything that came out of the Ohio area. And they have a battle axe in this museum. And this battle axe is one that the uh, Shawnee used against the big blue giants. And it, it's, it's fascinating. This thing It's a large stone on, on a stick. I mean, this thing must be heavy, but it was able, what they were able to do to, I guess, to crush their skulls. So we, we know about this with the Shawnee, the Cherokee knew everything about Bigfoot. They knew to stay away from it. They knew it was not right, but they considered it a Native American. They considered it another Indian tribe. So the Sean or the um, Cherokee have a dance they call the booger dance. And what this dance is that a characteristic of a wild man or a wild woman of the woods would dance around in a circle with children and have a basket on its back. And it would basically tell the children, if you're not good, if you don't pay attention to your parents, if you go into the woods by yourself, you know, the wild man or the wild woman of the woods would take you away and eat you. Okay. So this is when, you know, whites were going West and they're, you know, meeting up with the different Native American tribes, picking up different cultures, different uh, folklores and stuff. And this is where the boogeyman, comes into Western culture in America. You know, if you don't go to bed at night, the boogeyman's going to get you. It goes back to the Cherokee dance, the booger dance. Mm. 
That's definitely so, interesting. Yeah. So most all Native American tribes have some type of characteristic of Bigfoot, not just here in the United States, but in Canada, as well as some of the Native tribes in Mexico. Right. Yeah, I've definitely heard stories about the ones in Mexico. It's um, Is there any kind of, I guess, part of the map that, I mean, you mentioned that you have chapters in Africa, stuff like that, but is mm-hmm. there, are there certain areas that, that when you found out that there was stories coming out of there, there was just like a like a surprise, I guess, that, you know, that they would be out that far or. Yeah. We, I mean, we, we, you know, especially like in Africa, giving a perfect example, um, our chapter there, uh, you know, the, the guy sit there and said, listen, you know, we, we know what an ape looks like. We know what a lion looks like. We know what a hyena looks like. Okay. The two cryptids that they have here in my country, which was Zimbabwe, he said, one of them is a walking hairy man, which is a, a you know variation of Bigfoot. Right. It has ape characteristics, but it has human characteristics. The other one is this canine, walking canine, that looks more like a hyena than it does a, a dog. But what makes that case so usual is that we're getting reports, not just here in the United States, but in different other countries of a canine variation that looks like a hyena, like the beast of land between the lakes here in Kentucky. That particular beast, Dogman, looks more hyena than it does like an actual wolf. So that made it very interesting. Yeah, it's, and is there, I guess, obviously speaking to, you know, different kinds, are those kind of like the two main ones you hear of i guess when it, when it comes to variations is it more like like a dog or how does that well you know the yeah it's definitely canine now there's different variations of dog man um they come into different things like type one type two canine it just depends on the researcher and how he does it um my the north american dog man project this is how we do it you have what we consider a Type one. Okay. Type one is something that looks very uh, body wise like a human, but with a canine's head. Okay. These are the ones that get misidentified as Bigfoot. Then you have the type twos that we have, which is very canine looking, very canine looking body, but the feet are more human. They're not, and the legs are more human. They're not like a dog's leg. So um, just imagine just a a regular werewolf, you know, Van Helsing style werewolf or werewolf in the howling or something like that, but more human legs instead of canine legs. And then you have the canine variation, which is extremely all canine. You know, just looks like a regular wolf that's on two legs. And then you have the ones that look like your hyenas, you have some that are looking like a typical dog, but with a much, much smaller snout, which you can say 
werewolf looking or wolfman looking, but more with a canine type body. If that, if you understand what I'm saying here. Yeah. So they're just different variations. Uh, Each organization out there has different variations of what they consider, but basically they're all the same. Right. Do you guys ever get any kind of uh, instances where they attack humans or is do they find cases where it's just like talking <laughs> animals on the farm or, you know, how does that? Oh yeah. Oh out? my God. Yes. Um, we, we've had so many K I have so many pictures and, and, you know, in our organization where they attacked horses, where they attack livestock, where they, there's, there's one guy in Northern Ohio that raised, he had a kennel where he raised German shepherds. Right. He had 18 German shepherds. Okay. And this, he, he's walking out in the woods where he lives at the very, uh, our rural area, a lot of woods and stuff. He's out there with his daughter. His daughter sees it first. He sees it. They walk back real slow to get back to the house. Two days later, he wakes up in the morning. One of his German shepherds are ripped apart. Okay, and then it goes the following night. He lost eight German shepherds in three days where this thing got literally tore into the kennel and killed these dogs. And I, I've got the pictures and it's it's horrendous what, what it did to these dogs. I even have the veterinary report and the um, x-rays of the animals. I mean, it, it, this thing is just what, it, and it, it, for no reason, it, it killed them. Didn't eat them. It just killed them. And finally, he got to the point, he says, you know, I, I, you know I'm losing money. I can't do this. I, I, I can't let my, you know, something happen to my little girl because I'm a single father. And he packed up and left. Uh, we have, you know, that case, we have uh, cases where people have had horses that were attacked. And, and what's so usual, you know, unusual about, these pictures with the horses, they have the claw marks on the chest of the horse. So the horse was actually fighting off what this thing was. Now, most predators, when they attack like large game, they always attack from the back. Right. Okay. But, you know, there, there are some cases where they did attack the back, but there was also where they were attacking the front. And we have this one really good photograph of this large horse. And there's five scrape marks going down the front of the chest. Hmm. Perfect five of them. And uh, it, the horse survived, but the horse fought back. So, right. we, have a lot, so we have a lot of this. Um, give an example, Germantown, where Anthony Road is where all the, uh, all the new stuff is happening. Well, when you're on Anthony Road, in order to get there, you have to cross a bridge because there's a river there. Uh, you know, a small little river. You know, no more than, uh, you know, four foot of water. But the edges are about, you know, six and a half, seven feet up. Well, this thing was able to carry a cow hmm. over that river because the bridge is um, blocked off. You can't get on the bridge. Right. was able to carry a cow down the edge, go across the river, take it up to the other side and feed on it. Okay, that happened twice on that road. 
And there's not, no predators in Ohio that is, is big enough and strong enough to take down a cow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, we, we have bears in Ohio, but they're all in the North uh, West part of the state. We have coyotes down here, but there was no marks on the legs where the coyotes were biting on the legs to get it down. Right. I mean, it, I mean, nothing whatsoever. There's no way this cow could have got over there. There's just no possible way unless it was carried over. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. When you start seeing large livestock being taken away, <laughs> definitely in areas where they couldn't possibly get to by themselves. Um, yeah. I mean, it's nuts. It really is. Yeah. It's I was looking at the map here that you guys have on the website of, you know, sightings and such. Um, it looks like all the, the concentration of, of sightings mostly this time would probably be more up kind of like in the Northeast part of the country. Is that correct? Is that fair to say? Um, yeah, that's the biggest, that is the biggest hotspot from Illinois, Wisconsin area, right. going all the way up to New Jersey, going all the way down to Tennessee, that particular, all those area States there are the biggest hotspots. Then you have, you know, the Texas and Louisiana area, which is some of the biggest hotspots down there. Uh, you have the Four Corners area, and you have California. Those seem to be the biggest spots. Yeah, I was looking at, I mean, a couple of the ones that you have here on the map in Texas. I mean, there's one in Collin County, which is about 45 minutes from where I'm at right now. Um, so that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't make me feel too... <laughs> we, we, that we're still updating that map. I mean, we're getting right, right. stuff in every day. I mean, we're, we're, you know, week behind on just adding more and more stuff on, you know, onto the map there. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's stuff coming in all the time and we're getting to the point where we're starting to add a lot more onto the Canadian side and going to be putting up a world map. So all the stuff that's coming in from, into the North American uh, Dogman Project from our uh, outside chapters are going to be put in to that particular area. So, yeah, it's it's interesting, the stuff that's coming in. Yeah, it's definitely. I was taking a look at some of the areas that you actually have marked on the map, uh, you know, here in Texas. Um, some of those areas are quite remote, um, you know, out there between Fort Worth, like, between Midland, Odessa, and Abilene, that's mm-hmm. kind of out there. There's nothing really out there um, for a few hundred miles. Um, like I mentioned, the one here in Collin County, mm-hmm. it's kind of a populated area. It's not too remote. Uh, even the one in Freestone as well, that's kind of between Dallas and Houston. But um, it's not too far outside of Dallas. I mean, you still got Waco on out that way as well. So you're still kind of in the city, which is kind of a little freaky, um, especially for the people who live out there. Um, mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's not too remote. Fredericksburg is uh, well. it's not remote at all. <laughs> yeah, Texas uh, right now is becoming a very big hotspot. Like we're not putting any of the stuff that's on the map from um, the Border Patrol. Right. Okay. Um, one for the simple fact we don't want any issues with people going out into those areas where it's, it's, it's going to interrupt what's, you know, going on with the day in, day in and day out operations with the, you know, with the border patrol. 
So we're leaving that stuff out there. And plus we have to sit there and protect the identity of uh, border patrol agents that are coming forward. And, you know, these guys are very good. They're, they're, they have no problem um, showing identification and verification that, you know, they're legitimate guys. Right. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, um, it's always kind of like the problem that you would run into, especially when you have people that are professionals that way, um, mm-hmm. law enforcement and such, they don't want to go out on a limb, you know, stick their neck out. And I understand they don't want, you know, anything to happen to their careers and such. I have a lot of family that are law enforcement in like El Paso, uh, which is where I'm from originally. Um, and I also have family in the border patrol. Um, so I, I kind of know how that works as well. But um, one thing I was extremely curious about is do you guys ever have any reported sightings of like dogmen within the city? You know, oh, yeah. That it's, it's kind of like I can understand like a lot of people having sightings out on their farms or like in the woods when they go hunting, but like actually seeing them, you know, maybe running through like a neighborhood or something. That's always interested me. Yeah, actually, quite a few. Germantown is is one for an example. Um, there was a beauty shop there, and it was on a Saturday morning. There was um, several females that were in the beauty shop. They were getting their hairs and nails done, and one of them looked over at the window and said, "You know, look at that pretty dog looking in the window. <laughs> it's standing up looking in the window." And they realized it, it had its hands up on the side of its head shadowing you know the light so it can look in and it moved back and it walked on two legs and they ran to the window and they sat there and they they watched it walk walk off Hmm. you know um that is not unusual we've had quite a few people uh, that on residential areas um that have seen these things uh point pleasant west virginia Perfect example, another one. Down this street, there was one walking, literally walking down the middle of the street. This woman was coming up the road, and another woman was sitting on her porch. She sees this thing walking down the road, a dog, huge dog, which she's described as a werewolf. And a woman was coming in, and she has a right in front of her headlights there, okay? And she's pulling into her driveway, and this thing just you know, just walking down the road, you know, what's so weird is that there's a government installation that's right there on that road that has cameras all over the place. And they said, well, no, we never got anything on camera. Right. And it's like, you're, you're a top secret government facility. Okay. (laughs) You have, you know, security guards carrying M4s. Okay. And you want to tell me you didn't get nothing on camera or the cameras weren't working. You know, they got it on camera, whatever it was, they were able to get it, but they're not sharing it with anybody. Um, Yeah. It's not unusual to, to get that. Yeah. It's so is uh, out of the different variations of, of, you know, different dogmen, the ones that actually, you know, stand up and walk and, and things like that, do they, I was curious if they had any kind of characteristics of being like aware of, of what they were doing. Like if it seemed more like human-like, you know, like, like them walking in and them actually being aware that, that, that they're being watched, you know, stuff like that. We, we've got a couple cases where this woman 
was in northern Kentucky was jogging early morning. There was a you know woods. Um, how the road goes to the sidewalk and you go down and you know, the hill kind of goes down a little bit and it goes into the woods. Okay. Right. So this thing was standing there. Um, she, she saw that what she described as a werewolf. It was wearing a white shirt. Hmm. It had blood on it, but she, she said it was a werewolf like you see in the movies, but it was wearing a white shirt. She said, it wasn't like the wolf man. It was like a werewolf, like a dog. And then there was a couple other cases where people have seen them wearing clothing. Okay. Right. So what I believe is that if these things are taking human life or, you know, finding clothing or whatever, and they're wearing the clothing to mimic a human, thinking that's disguising them from what they look like. Right. Okay. So that's a possibility. It, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a far-fetched one, but there's too many cases out there where people have seen, especially uh, Shenango Valley in Pennsylvania. There's um, a case there where one was wearing clothes and actually they saw a young one wearing clothes, uh, a juvenile a child, like a eight or nine year old type child. And it was wearing clothing when they saw it. So um, it's a possibility. It's a possibility that they're mimicking. I think they know that they're different. And I know that they believe that if people see them, they're obviously going to get scared because they're they're, they're a dog or canine. They can sense the fear. But I, I... I know it's a weird theory, but I really believe that if they, you know, they mimic, try to mimic humans to, to hide their identity, even though they can't change their physical appearance, right. but maybe they believe if they have a shirt on or a pair of pants, you know, that it does. And I mean, it, it sounds crazy, but you know, if, if these things exist, if Bigfoot exists, what's the possibility of these things doing this? You know, you ha- you have to look at every single possibility because you're getting reports. We're we're also getting some very odd reports where people have been in cemeteries hmm. and they have been seeing wolves wearing cloaks in the cemetery. Okay, and and we've had you know several reports about that, and another possible theory to that is um biblically cemeteries were protected by hellhounds right okay the hellhounds were there to protect the souls from the demons trying to collect the you know take the souls of the dead okay and at some point you know the devil dogs have gotten a really bad rep but that was the whole point of them being there so these dog men or dog headed men that have been seen in cemeteries across the country wearing cloaks could be the, the you know hellhounds that are still there to protect the souls. I mean, did like you said, it, it, it we're talking several different states right. where this has been taking place. I mean, it's really odd. 
Yeah, on indeed. It's you know, I, I was I was speaking with um, I don't know if you are aware of who Dark Waters is. Uh, Dark yeah. Waters, yeah. So I've, I've had him on the show a few times. We've actually spoken off air, um, but he we were, we were speaking about Dogman and you know, like the different areas that, that he's actually heard stories about them. And they actually have this thing now where they he's teamed up with. Uh, some other company that I, I don't remember right off the top of my head, but they actually set up like game, not game shell cameras, but like actual like surveillance cameras out like out in the woods and stuff. Mm-hmm. So they can actually, you can actually log on to the website and you can see like what's yeah, on the through, camera. Yes. Yes. Through DVR system. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so it's like, I mean that, that I highly doubt that, that, you know, that they would actually actually catch anything. It's just one of those things that, that for some reason it would just be off of the camera, like just enough to where you wouldn't be able to see it or, you know, it would somehow like well, he, evade it and stuff. Well, here's the thing, you know, the, the problem is animals can see IR. Right. Okay. They can see that on the camera at night. So they know it's there. Right. So, you know, they're not going to expose themselves to it. Bears are different things. Okay. The bear smells the petroleum that, plastic is made out of on these trail camps and they'll go in and eat them okay (laughs) uh so that's happened a bunch of times but most apex predators okay if they smell something that's not right or they see something that's not right they're not going to directly go to it to attack it unless it becomes a threat to them they're going to observe excuse me um observe it you know to monitor it they're going to sit there and pick whatever scent they can up on it and they're going to watch it they're not going to go and attack it so that this is the biggest problem that i think every researcher has when we have trail cams you know set up and you have a you know uh, a bait trap set up in front of the trail cam you know they they smell the bait trap but yet they they smell the trail cam they see the ir they're not going to go towards it and I think that's where the biggest problem we have. We we got to come up with a new way, be able to you know cover up the IR and make the IR not so noticeable, you know, to not just Dogman or Bigfoot, but the other animals that are out there, other predators. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It's uh, it's a good thing, I guess, for him because he's the one that actually has to maintain it. So. Whenever it goes down or you know, something happens with it, he's the one that has to drive out into the middle of nowhere and fix it. And I kept telling him, I was like, man, you yeah, it, it's, <laughs> you stop you know, doing that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it's crazy. Um, but, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the problem with today also is, and Darkwater knows this too, uh, the problem is, is that, video can be manipulated yeah okay and if he gets something that is very very good it's going to get questionable i mean you know nothing against him but you know it that that's how these idiots are you know there's so many trolls out there there's so many people that's going to sit there and question it you know um and it does you know it doesn't matter how well known he is you know, you're, he's going to get his supporters, but he's also going to get people that that's that's going to sit there and, you know, make an issue out of it because video can be altered. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's true. It's 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 probably one of the major pitfalls that we have. I mean, everybody's yeah. so everybody wants to see it, but when they see any kind of evidence, it's like, ah, oh, man, that's fake. You know, whatever. It's just kind of like a double edged sword. I mean, when somebody catches something that's legitimate and like a really good quality on camera, um, I mean, how many people are gonna sit there and be like, oh, you know, that's real. Like, I guarantee you almost everyone's going to say that, that, you know, it was fake or, you know, they made it somewhere. Uh, and it's, it's going to be unfortunate, you know, when, if, whenever we actually catch something that's like great quality, you know, whether it be Bigfoot or aliens or whatever, um, it's just, it's, you know, like you said, it, it's going to be questioned on every level. And um, every single other level. And it's, it's physical evidence is what you need. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I, I tell my guys, you know, when they're out in the field, you know, have a bio kit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because if, if the possibility, the possibility that you come across a dead one, okay. Do not under any circumstances mutilate the body. Yeah. Like try to take the head or take the hands or, um, you know, take the feet or anything like that, because trust me, you'll go to jail uh, a lot quicker mutilating an animal corpse than you will a human. And, and, and I'm serious that, you know, and it, that's fact, yeah. you know, um, and I tell my guys, you know, if you find a body, you know, take hundreds of pictures of it, take care samples from different parts of the body, you know, clip a nail, trying to, if you have swabs, swab, you know, get DNA out of the mouth at that point. Um, you know, if you're able to have, you know, get some large syringe and, you know, some stuff to sit there. If the blood's not coagulated yet, try to pull out samples of the blood, you know, to take and, uh, you know, so you have DNA. If you have to pull a tooth, mm. okay, teeth have DNA, so holds DNA for, you know, hundred years after you're dead, thousands of years after you're dead. Right. So do, do that, but don't mutilate the body, you know, um, have an ink pad, uh, with paper, put ink on the palm, make a handprint on a piece of paper of the dermal ridges of the feet. Um, you know, just takes steps to preserve physical evidence without mutilating the body. And then hide the body, okay? Don't call the police. Don't, you know, take the body. Because here's the thing. Well, a lot of people don't realize every single state, okay, the land is either owned by the state, the county, or the city. Right. Okay? So they own all this, okay? Believe it or not, a lot of people don't realize this either. The house, the property you live on, you can have a farm. Okay. In reality, you don't own that land that farm sits on. Okay. You only thing you own is what that house sits on. Okay. Because that's why you have eminent domain where the government can come home and take it. That's why you're paying property taxes. Property taxes is nothing more than rent. Right. Okay. That's all it is. It's rent. You may think it's yours. You may think you have a piece of paper that says it's yours, but no, baby, it's not. It belongs to that county. They can come in and move you out at any time and take that land. So you don't want to remove the body because they can get you for theft. It's the same thing like walking in to the woods and 
you know, picking up feathers from a turkey or uh, another bird and, you know, flowers, they can get you on threat, theft charges because that's park property. Okay. So hide the body. So obviously what's the next thing you got to do? Okay. You got to call someone in to get it. Right. So you call in the DNR of that area, animal control, you call them and police officers aren't going to know what to do because they're just going to go ahead and call them anyhow. Right. Okay. But prior to doing that, you get a couple guys out there with video cameras and ghillie suits. Okay. And videotape, you bring these guys in and showing them where the body is. So you got video evidence that you turned the body over to a government agency. Right. Okay. And, and that's the way to do it properly. You, I'm sure you'll get any kind of stories of, I guess, people that have maybe seen them telling you that, you know, they've shot one or they have one that's dead or mm-hmm. stuff like that. Do you ever get any kind of stories like that? Yeah, we, we've talked to plenty of people who've shot them. We, we actually had one of our team members actually shoot one point blank in the chest. And it didn't do anything. <laughs> Did not do anything with a 357 Magnum shot a point blank. Now, this guy um, is, you know, he's a high ranking Mason. He has impeccable credentials. This guy's very well known, very well liked. He's in the public eye. Um, he would have no reason to make this up. And if he said he shot one, you know, up close range with a 357 Magnum, he shot this thing. Okay. And I believe him because, like you said, he did this guy's too perfect to make a lie up to ruin his credibility. Right. You know, we, you know, we talked to people that had bodies and buried them. And, you know, it's, you know, well, where did you bury? Why well, didn't bury him? My daddy buried him when he shot him. I was just young, and you know, right. and it, it, I don't know. It's somewhere around yonder. So I said, okay, when when you dig it up, let me know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's um, it's one of those things. It's you always hear stories about people that have shot a Bigfoot or you know something. Especially, I remember a couple of times hearing stories about about that actually happening here in Texas. Um, but they never somehow or another, they forgot where they buried it or something. It's always something, you know? So, um, but like you said, until we actually see some kind of physical proof, um, mm-hmm. it's just kind of like an actual like body of one and, you know, such like that, but. Well, you know, you got to look at it this way. Okay. Um, let's say, let's say a body of a dog man or even a body of a Bigfoot is found. Okay. And it's brought out to you on the six o'clock news. Right. Okay. You have to understand some science doesn't like to be proven wrong. Nope. Okay. They do not like, they don't want to change what's out there. Okay. So they would classify a Bigfoot or classify dog man as something other than what it is. Okay. To prove that this thing didn't exist. Oh, it's a feral, some type of a feral dog. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is some type of a feral man. Right. Okay. With, you know, werewolfism disease or something where they, you know, where the humans have the body with the hair, you know, or something to that effect. Right. Okay. That's the way they would do it. Um, 
I, I believe they've done it before. You know, I, there's a couple cases where strange-looking canines were killed. And in these pictures, there's one where this guy shot this wolf, this huge black wolf. And um, the DNR ended up picking it up after he shot it. They showed up. And this, and I, I got the picture. This thing is odd. I mean, this thing is really, it looks like a wolf. Don't get me wrong. But when you look at its eyes, because the eyes were open, and you look at the body, how the body's laying there, and you look at the paws, man, this is not your typical large black wolf. <laughs> I mean, right. I, I think this guy actually shot one okay and this is why the dnr showed up and like i said it's just the facial features of this wolf is more human characteristics Hmm. to it even though it's a wolf's head you know the best way to explain it to compare to what a regular wolf would look like i mean it's, it's it's odd yeah, it's it's definitely. I mean, you always know, kind of hope maybe some, you know, someday somebody has one or whatever. But like you know, like you said, even if you were to find one, the powers the, the powers that be wouldn't want you know that kind of information getting out. As you can see from even the Smithsonian, who treks all around the world picking mm-hmm. up bones from giants and you know hiding them as well. It's it's just, you know, one of those things that they just, you know, like you said, they don't want science to change. And if they have to, if, if somebody finds something that they can't explain, then, you know, they don't want to lose grants or they don't want to lose. Well, it's not so that you have to understand the Smithsonian Institute. I mean, they're, they're still moving stuff from that's on paper into databases. That is how much stuff they got. The Smithsonian only puts out specimens if they have more than one. I will guarantee you, if I had a million dollars, okay, I would bet that million dollars in somewhere inside the Smithsonian Institute, in a crate, under a bunch of other crates, or under, you know, some stairwell or something like that, there are remains of a Bigfoot and possibly a dogman. And they just don't know what it is because they don't have other specimens, or they may have just bits and pieces of it. Now, to give you an example, when Monster Quest did this show about um, the short-nosed bear, which was an ancient bear, where people were seeing this large short-nosed bear. So this guy shot and killed one. Well, his father, I think, was the shot and killed one and gave the skull to the Smithsonian. Well, they went and tried to get the skull to look at the skull and they had to go through heck and high water just to get the Smithsonian to let them see the skull. Well, when they found the skull, it took them three, took the Smithsonian three weeks to find this skull for the show. And they still would not let them take pictures of it. What they did, they allowed a um, biologist go in behind closed doors to look at the skull okay (laughs) see this is it it, it goes to show how secretive they are 
And it goes to show they really don't know where everything is. If it took them three weeks just to locate the skull, that means that, you know, it's not either it's not in a database yet or it's still in some written down pleasure somewhere where where it's located. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully I wouldn't like to think that you know, they would be hiding, you know, information from the public and as such, but. Oh, they are. They're, yeah, they're hiding. Yeah, they're hiding. <laughs> I mean, you know, of course they are. Cause like you said, they don't want to give up the grants. You know, they don't want to give up the money. I mean, you know, if they had a Bigfoot remains on display, look at how much money they would make. Yeah. You know, <laughs> look how much money they, you know, monetize the damn thing. Okay. Because, you know, the thing of it is, if you monetize it, then people are going to lose interest. Right. Plain and simple. If it, 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 it's, it's, it's like, you know, put it right out there in front of people and, oh, wow, that's cool. And then they lose interest. It, it, I mean, you, you, people have done no common sense that runs our government when, or, or these agencies when it comes to stuff like this. Salt Fork State Park did this they had so many people coming up to their park and damaging stuff looking for bigfoot so they end up monetizing it putting books out stuffed animals having conferences stuff like that okay and then finally you know people lose interest okay that's how they did it yeah okay you know that's how they got rid of the problem (laughs) yeah yeah i mean it could also be I mean, I was speaking with one of our guests in the last episode, and we were talking about the disclosure of all these UFOs and such lately. Um, You know, but so like people like yourself and other people that have been in the field for a long time, I mean, you need no such proof that, you know, that they're actually out there. Um, It's common sense. Yeah. You know, we're talking about UFOs and it was asking the same question. I was like, do you think one day they're just going to go ahead and tell us everything? I mean, it's not like, it's not like he needed any kind of proof from the government that, you know, that they actually exist. I mean, he's been investigating it for over like 25 years. Let me put it to you this way. Okay. Everybody knows, let's, let's say they took a a world survey. What do you believe in? Ghosts, Bigfoot, UFOs, Loch Ness monster, blah, 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 blah. Okay. UFOs will be number one guaranteed. Right. Ghosts would be number two, okay, on the list, okay, what people believe. So people aren't stupid, so they know that there's something out there. I used to, honestly, I used to believe that if the President of the United States came on TV and said, look, UFOs exist, they are real, they have visited our planet, we have downcraft, we have bodies, um, so far they haven't made a threat to us. If they do, we will do what's necessary to save humanity. Okay. Well, for one, people in the back of their mind saying, well, you knew about this and you lied to us. Okay. So it's going to be hard for us to trust you that you're going to protect us. Okay. So what happens is they're going to go to bed that night. They're going to wake up that morning. They're going to have breakfast with their family breakfast with their kids, get their kids off the school. They're going to go to work. They got something to talk about, you know, uh, they're 
going to come home. They're going to have dinner. They're going to go to a soccer game. Life's going to go on. I used to really believe this is how it would happen because people knew in the back of their mind that these things were already there. So it's, it's no big shock to us. Okay. But after COVID-19 hit and you saw how everybody went to sheep, acted like sheep and believed every crock of BS that the government and the Center for Disease Control is putting out goes to show if they release stuff on UFOs, people are going to go nuts, yep. literally go nuts because they're not going to be a handle. If they couldn't handle COVID, they're not going to be able to handle, you know, uh, UFOs. And you, you being a veteran, you know this as well as I do. Okay. If, if this country was ever attacked, okay, by an alien species, the United States military's job is to protect government asset, uh, government assets and keep a running government up. That's it. Right. They're not going to go into Fort Worth, Texas, you know, uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, or whatever, and put a bunch of guns and ammunition down and say, guys, protect the town. They're not going to do that. Every <laughs> single resource is going to go to the military. You are on your own to protect your family and your community. Yep. Okay. Yeah. They'll come to your town if, if the alien threat is there or an outside threat is there and they'll fight them on your turf. Okay. But you're there to protect yourself. And the American people know this. And it goes back to, well, you lied to us that they didn't exist. And then you're telling us you're going to believe us, and that's bullcrap because you're not. You're going to maintain a working operational government, and the United States military is going to be protecting government assets to keep the country going. They're not going to give a damn about, you know, protecting these cities unless right. there's something in that city that is essential to keeping that government going. Yeah. And people in the military know that. They absolutely know that. And, yeah. and, and the you know, civilian people, you know, are starting to realize that now. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you know, I live in Texas, so I like my odds. Everybody and their mothers out here is, you know, freaking carrying some kind of weapon. So I'm, I'm not too worried about that. But, um, you know, and even like you said, it's everybody was falling apart. I mean, you can't really trust all the people nowadays. I mean, 7% of the U.S. population still believe that chocolate milk actually comes from brown cows. So, uh, you know, it's just one of those things you can't get. Well, to it, people, you know? <laughs> right. But, but look at this. Okay. What there's a great possibility, a really great possibility. Okay. That the human species came from Mars. Right. Okay. They know that there was some type of civilization on that planet. There was some type of nuclear war. They know happened on mars because there's evidence of that okay so our species might came here let's you know what you know in order for our species to thrive maybe they killed the dinosaurs off you know because they were predators you know and if the government knows that then that destroys religion right okay is there a god then is there jesus yeah there's still a god there's still jesus because god and jesus made all these other planets 
Okay. You're still who you are because whatever based religion is here had to been on that planet at one time or another in one form or another. True. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's, it's all definitely kind of up in the air right now. We're just, I mean, I mean here in Texas, you know, we never really closed down. So it's not, not compared to the rest of the country, especially not compared to California. Um, we we've always been up and running, so we didn't really have any kind of issues here. Which... Dude, you got to get rid of all the people who moved in from California. <laughs> they are destroying your state. Yeah. Pack them up and move them to New Mexico or Louisiana. <laughs> I mean, get yeah, them there. Heck out of your state. We've um, you know. been talking about it's it's I mean, we can already forget about Austin. That's like a mini San Francisco. Um it's, yeah. it's just gone but i mean the rest of us here like here in dallas um we're still holding on a bit but it's starting to creep in um it's it's going to be kind of hey have you ever talked to um ken gerhardt no i'm not texas no yeah, ken gerhardt lives in texas he's a uh cryptozoologist uh, been on several tv shows he was on the um oh god missing in alaska tv show Okay. Uh, that was on. Uh, he lives here in Texas. And uh, like I said, uh, author, um, very, very knowledgeable guy on a whole scale of cryptozoology. Um, he's he's about your age, probably. Um, but he lives there in Texas. Um, he's definitely one you want to get on your show. He's not a veteran, but, um, you know, he... He traveled the world as, as, as a child to different countries um, with his father, and that's how he got into cryptozoology all over the world. Um, the guy's been all over the world, and he's definitely, I would look him up, uh, let him know I sent him your way. Uh, he's definitely one you want to talk to. Uh, he's got some very interesting, very interesting stuff to tell you. Awesome. Yeah, so okay. definitely look into that. Definitely look him and up. Like, like I say, he's a hometown boy. So right, right. Yeah, that always yeah. helps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as we mentioned before, I don't think we did mention that. So how many books have you actually put out so far? Oh gosh. Let's see. How much of them? Um <laughs> uh, I probably did twelve or thirteen. Okay. Most of them are no longer in print. Right. Um, but I think uh I've got like maybe five that's still available on Amazon Okay, and stuff. I, I have a couple of documentaries on there that I did. Um, one on the Wisconsin werewolf and one on the beast of land between the lakes. Um, you can find those on Amazon also. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. It's, can they find information about that on your website as well? Um, we didn't plug the, uh, the website earlier. Um, yeah. I, I don't have anything on my website. We have podcasts on our website that people can listen to. But none of my, I didn't post any of my books because I kind of keep that separate from the organization. But all they have to do is just type in, um, you know, my name and books and it, all my books will show up. Like you said, I have some, um, I just actually got out of a uh, um, lawsuit with one guy. Um, I wrote a book. I wrote two books, actually. And he took the books and plagiarize them, recopy them mm. and uh, published them and then try to say, I took it from him. 
<laughs> well, yeah, but I, I got, you know, copyright information showing my books came out first, right. you know, and him and his friends just totally uh, destroyed me on Amazon, you know. And so I finally, I just went ahead and pulled the books. Um, and he then he started going after some of my other books because he lost a lawsuit. Um, and, you know, so if you see anything negative about my books on any of the feedbacks, it's him and his family and his friends doing that to try to destroy my credibility because we had this very long lawsuit that went for many years and finally it's over and I won and he's mad about it. So, you know, yeah. Kick rocks. They don't yeah. Like it. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah absolutely exactly yeah and um that website actually is also for everybody if you want to go ahead and look them up is north american dogman project.com you can also find them on facebook uh, north american dogman project as well um do you guys have any big plans coming up any uh interesting stories that you guys are looking at well we're, we're finishing up on our documentary on the germantown werewolf okay um I am. I just filmed for a TV show, um, Mysteries Decoded, right. on uh, the CW. I did a, a segment on Dogman for them. Um, I'm working with the Travel Channel right now on two shows that we're going to be filming in September and October, uh, and they'll be for next year on the Dogman subject. One is dealing with a uh, beast of land between the lakes and the other one is dealing with law enforcement and military people um, who've actually seen Dogman. So we have, uh, like I said, a lot of former police officers and police officers uh, across the country talked about their encounters. Right. People who are in the military that's seen them talk about their encounters. Um, we have other witnesses that are talking about it. Um, it's going to be, they're, they're going to be interesting shows. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds extremely interesting. I'll be definitely looking after that. Um, well, Mr. Cook, I really appreciate your time today. Yep. Um, it was great. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, appreciate it. On. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for everybody, if you guys want to check them out, like I mentioned before, NorthAmericanDogmanProject.com, Facebook as well, North American Dogman Project. Uh, look them up on Amazon as well, get the books. Uh, I've been looking out for the documentaries as well. Um, and like I mentioned before, if you guys aren't already subscribers on our, our YouTube channel, please go ahead and hit that subscribe button. We really appreciate it as well as, as a like button. Um, if you guys want to catch us on the go, you can check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, as well as iHeartRadio. Um, I'll have all the uh, social media links down below. Um, like I mentioned before, we just got on Locals.com, so that's up and running as well. Um, if you have any questions or comments for myself or our guests, guests or topic mm-hmm. recommendations, you can email us at thetruthdefender1776 at gmail.com. Um, really appreciate you guys stopping in everybody stay safe out there stay blessed and most of all stay frosty